Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And a welcome back to Habs Unfiltered, episode 370. I'm your host, Blaine Putney, and I'm joined by my co-host, Treg Smith. Did it again. And Matt Wilson. Did it Wilson. on purpose that time. <laughs> <laughs> Saw it in his eyes. How's it going, Mr. Mr. Smith, Mr. Wilson? Going well, thank you. <laughs> still here. I'm fading away, but I'm still here. Well, I mean, you got you to gotta keep cutting those calories back. Get ready for that show. Mm-hmm. Cut calories, but keep muscle size. It's not easy at all. I don't recommend it to anyone. It's, it's why it's why only few people do that sport. Yeah, but they're all on steroids. <laughs> no. It's impossible. All right. Well, um, so this episode, we have a few things to talk about. Now that the summer's pretty much over, uh, we're entering into the uh, the season, we're going to have things to, to finally discuss. So in this episode, we have uh, Paul Byron's impending retirement, uh, the Jeff Petrie saga, and some cap talk. So why don't we just start it off before we get into uh, Trevor Cassidy's request that Treg and I fight it out over the Petrie stuff. Um, we'll we'll start with Byron. So Lord Paul Byron has uh, essentially been outed as retiring. So Hughes, during his press conference, basically just dropped the what everybody pretty much thought was going to happen in that Paul Byron's going to, he, he's done. Uh, he said, well, we'll let him announce his retirement. You know, leave that to Paul, but yeah, that's it for him. And there's been some talk of uh, the two sides talking in September for a role with the team. So, what well, I'll start with you, Matt. What give us give us your two cents on Byron and what do you think this means for the team now? I think it'd be great if they kept him around the team. Is like you saw you saw how he was around a lot of the young guys and everything, and like even though he knows that. He knew deep down he probably wasn't going to play again. Um, but you saw him in the locker room with the guys and everything or in the press box and everything. And uh, he's kind of got that energy that's uh, kind of infectious. And I think it will be really good to have around the, this young core growing, um, going forward. And again, I think Byron's only a 34-year-old 30, himself. Um, but for a guy to be a waiver claim by the Canadians, um, someone that was – pretty much picked up because someone saw something on YouTube and how fast this guy skated and for him to be a two-time 20 goal scorer, a guy that played well above his weight class, um, you know, threw his, you know, 140 pounds around or whatever the hell he was, right. Um, he was, he gave it his all. He, he really did. He, uh, he played with a lot of hearts and, um, yeah, I think that uh, a role in uh, like a developmental role or something, I think it'd be be excellent for the for the young guys coming up. And uh, I hope that's what ends up going on. It's it's it sucks to see him go, but at the same time, it uh, it opens up a spot for uh, for some new blood. Great. Well, what about you? Technically, he's a free agent, so the spot was already open, but. Yeah, I would have had he had he been healthy. Yeah. You never know. Maybe he'd be back, yeah. right? So, um, I got no more really to add to that. Byron, uh, I think the way he came up through the league would be a, a good. Uh, uh, he'd be a good teacher of how he went through it, what he had to do, uh, the developing the players, and the w- way he was. I mean, like Matt mentioned, he's a two-time twenty goal scorer with ver- barely any power play time. So playing bottom six minutes, so that's pretty. Uh, you know, and I guess everyone's going to remember the shorthanded goal against Toronto in the playoffs um, to win their first game. Um, I think 
It was game one, was it? Anyway. Uh, but uh, yeah, so the, uh, I mean, sorry, Beth. I know you were a huge Lord uh, Byron fan, but uh, uh, it was inevitable. Uh, we knew it was coming. We knew his hip wasn't going to. Uh, and let's let's be honest. Um, at thirty four, with bad hips, probably wasn't get, get going to get signed by a team or anything. So uh, uh, if he calls it a career, I think it would be a great move for Hughes to put him as some part of the organization. Uh, and uh and go from there so yeah really not much more to say about it and i'm pretty sure we'll hear his announcement uh before too long yeah well with the talk of them talking in september uh i would assume that within the week mm. from now so say by thursday of the week of the 24th then we'll probably hear from him then um <laughs> I think that Byron's impact is more than just a bottom six guy who happened to score 20 goals a couple times. What he did was he kind of changed the way teams now play on the penalty kill. It used to be all the big, slow, bruising guys who can block shots. Now everybody has that one guy who can really motor that's playing at the top of the key so that they can take advantage of any mistake so they can get a breakaway and, and Byron did that spectacularly. Like you talk about the goal against Toronto that everyone's going to remember. What may, people may not remember is the Canadians were shorthanded when he scored that goal. Most of his most memorable goals are on breakaways and several of those are shorthanded. He had nine shorthanded goals with the Canadians over seven seasons. Doesn't sound like a lot, but when it comes to shorthanded goals, that's a lot. Because uh, the year the Canadians went to the cup final, they had nine shorthanded goals for the team all year. And they led the league by several shorthanded goals. So that's that's a significant amount. So his, his impact, I think, goes a little bit beyond just a bottom six guy who showed a lot of heart and had some speed. He, he changed the way people set up their penalty killing units. Another thing I'm going to bring up too, uh, we're talking about Paul Byron is in his third year with the Canadian fourth year with the Canadians in 2018, 19. Uh, he had 31 points in 56 games with 15 goals. So he was on pace to almost hit 30 goals that year. Um, and be, you know, a fair, I mean, I'd have to do the math, but, uh, you know, like to me, uh, you're right. Byron was more than just a bottom six guy. He was a bottom six guy that could play anywhere in the lineup. Um, he he gave that extra spark on the on the power play. I think he helped get young guys like Arturi Arturi Lekkinen become a better player, especially yep. on the penalty kill. Yep. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, good for him. He had a great career in Montreal. It was probably one of the best waiver pickups, I think, in maybe Montreal history. Maybe. You can argue that he was. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't know all the waiver pickups, but, uh, um, yeah. So really, uh, good for Byron. I hate to see you go, but hopefully you can come back to the organization and help develop some of the young guys to, uh, play a hard, uh, nose game like you did, especially since we do have a lot of smaller players in our organization. It's true. There are a lot of small players and he can, he can help a little bit on that. Um, I think when we're talking waiver wire pickups and who's the, at the top, like I said, you can argue the Byron's at the top of that list. Uh, he, it used to be Glenn Metropolit or Steve Bejan right at the top. Now, Paul Byron. Yeah, I liked him too. He was a good pickup. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's the thing. It, it for me, it comes down to expectations. When a player pick player, up off waivers, but... yeah, yeah. Th there's no pressure on these guys. If he, if you pick this guy up off waivers and he does okay, well, he's his tires get pumped up a little bit more than a bottom sixer when that's all they ever are. I mean, it, it's it's all about the expectation on the player. If they come in with no expectations and they do something, 
that's amazing. But if there's an expectation on the guy, even if it's astronomically high for no reason, if they don't meet that, then it's a failure. Even though the guy with the astronomically high expectations would be a first line player. Yeah. But you wanted an all-star. You know what I mean? Yeah. Such is life. That's why that's why we have extremely high expectations of Matt, because we know he can meet them. He is our all-star. He is. First ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. The Habs Unfiltered Hall of Fame. <laughs> There's only one face. Uh, all right, so well, just thank Paul Byron for everything he's done for the for the sport and bringing us a lot of really fun games, a lot of entertainment. So I wish him the best of luck in his retirement. Now to move on to the next bit, that is the Jeff Petrie saga. <laughs> he demands a trade. He gets traded. He goes to Pittsburgh. The Canadians get a better defenseman in that deal. Win-win. Then somehow Petrie ends up back in Montreal and he gets flipped again. So uh, we'll, we'll, why don't we get into that, that whole scenario? We can start with, uh, we talked about the trade in the past. Why don't we just start with this trade that sent Petrie back to his hometown? Craig, you you oh. you had some very scathing remarks on on Twitter. Yes. You and I, we need to fight it out. Yeah, I totally hated the trade. And Hughes is the biggest bum in the unit. No, that's not what I said at all. Uh, so I uh, I looked at the trade. I looked at Petrie, and yeah, his last two years have been kind of meh. Um, and he is thirty four, something like that. Um, but I, uh, and I thought it was a bit underwhelming. Uh, I got some Lindstrom. Um, I look, you know, I, I think it's picked in the second round 38th overall by Detroit. Uh, is he related to Nicholas? Is that his son or something? Or, no, I don't know for sure. No, but spelled wrong. Lindstrom's the name spelled wrong too. Right. And, uh, so I looked at that and, uh, I said, uh, Eh, okay, I don't mind that. That's not bad. Right-handed defenseman, younger, 24. Uh, and then I, uh, but the, it was the draft pick that kind of, I didn't like a fourth round pick. I thought they could have got a higher, like at least a second round pick with a B pro. I'm going to say Lizard was like a B prospect. Um, and I just figured uh, that's what I was underwhelmed by was the draft pick. Um, so I put that tweet out. And then when I watched the presser later on, I kind of understood why. He pretty much got what he got um, and how he kind of did this as a solid to Petrie because he wanted, you know, he apparently they had a conversation and he said, hey, I'm going to trade you back to the States before school starts with the kids. We're not going to wait this out to get the max value like we could. I'm going to get what best value I can get now. And uh, props to uh, Hughes for doing that. So, uh, um, yeah uh that's what i found was underwhelming i didn't think the trade in a whole if you look at the trade and the overall picture and i believe you're going to get into that blaine it's actually a pretty good trade um well actually it's a, it's a chess trade because it opens yeah. the door for a lot of things that and i don't really think the whole thing is done yet so oh no yeah no uh, what about you matt what do you what do you what's your take on this so I see it more of uh, trading the man Jeff Petrie as opposed to the player Jeff Petrie in this deal. Um, as as Trey said, Ken Hughes did him a solid and his family a solid. They sent him back home. Um, he was a uh, he was announced by the Red Wings earlier today. Uh, he's going to wear the same number as his father, who uh, who played for the uh, the Detroit Tigers for many years. Um, so so that's that's great for him and it's good for his family and. From a hockey standpoint, though, I did at the same time as Treg find that it was a little bit underwhelming based on the fact that you've got a top four defenseman and Jeff Petrie, even though he's an aging defenseman, 
And I agree the fourth con- especially the conditional fourth round pick is the higher of Detroit or Boston's 2025 fourth. And the fact that they retain salary as well. And they were so it was a little bit underwhelming for me on a hockey standpoint. I could see why he did it. And like, you know, I give my props to Ken Hughes for doing a solid for a veteran player. And I think it's going to, uh, it's going to show other players that possibly want to come to Montreal that the uh, management team that they'll, that uh, they have in place now are going to take care of you and they're going to take care of your family. So, you know, I'm hoping that positivity kind of rolls into, uh, you know, see the, into the next seasons. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wish Petrie the best in, uh, in Detroit. That's about all I can say. I mean, so with the trade itself, uh, I kind of, I kind of agree as a whole, it seems underwhelming. Uh, if there was no cap retention, this would be an amazing trade. But yes. because of the cap retention, it kind of drags it down a bit. Uh, the defense. That's exactly up, why I thought I, it was I, underwhelming. The, yeah. The 50% retention. I thought they get a higher pick. Yeah, exactly. And I know a lot of, a lot of folks, including myself said that the Canadians could get a first round pick if they retained could. Um, And I'd argue they basically got the equivalent of a late first round pick because what are the odds? A first round pick, say at like twenty five to thirty two, makes the NHL. What are the odds? One of the uh, the one that it does is anything more than a depth player. Like the the odds aren't great. So in return, they get a serviceable NHL defenseman who put on a better team could look a lot better because Detroit the last couple of years defensively have been absolutely horrendous, just garbage. Like it, it, and that's saying a lot. The Canadians, Canadians had been pretty bad, but Detroit, for whatever reason, they they were they gave up more. Now, when you look at uh, Gustav Lidstrom's point totals, and he he's a defensive defenseman type of guy. He's a he's a stay at home guy. Really, he can put up some points. He's mobile. He can make a first pass. And his, the goals, uh, his plus minus are garbage, but shit team. If you're looking at his points per 60, however, he's almost at a full point per 60, which is, which is fairly good for defensemen. So if he's given a little bit more opportunity, considering the fact that he was playing 14 minutes on average for the Reds last year, say he's given 17 to 18, maybe he does a little bit better offensively. The Canadians should be better defensively this year with a healthy team. So those numbers should uh, stabilize a bit for him. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be anything great. And he's definitely not as good as Petrie, but it's a 24-year-old right-handed defenseman. Eh, that's what you get. Eh. So who does he bump out? Well, that's the thing. And it creates a little bit of a competition. Because now you have Lidstrom, you have Barron, you have uh, Kovacevic. I mean, Savard would be, you know, pushed out if this was just about style of play, the way they're building the team. So I would assume that Barron would be the one that would have to steal that job to force himself into that job. Is there going to... I think yeah, well, well, at the, well, at this point, they're going to have to move a couple defensemen. Yeah. Is, is they take Jack Eye off the? Uh, is he's technically still on the IR, right? So they mm-hmm. move him. They move him up. They still got nine defensemen. Right? Well, I so, don't think no matter what happens, uh, I I believe that Weidman is going to be placed put on waivers. Yeah. And if someone claims him, great. If not, he'll go to a Laval. And yeah. there's no cap hit that re- that remains with the Canadians if if he clears waivers. Right. Because he's he's sure. making less than the the one point one million or whatever yeah, it is seven point six two or seven seven sixty two yeah. yeah, and then um, yeah. and Barron's waivers exempt so exactly well a lot I, of the defensemen are because they're all wow. rookies yeah they're all waiver exempt except Matheson Savard and Kovacevic so and Lindstrom Lindstrom so um, 
I think, uh, I don't know if Gus really pushes anyone out, to be honest with you. I think he's going to have to. I think I think he pushes Weidman out right now as say, well, your, yeah. as, as, well, say, I, I think, as say as your seventh. I think Weidman's pushed out regardless whether yeah. Liz, Lindstrom was there or not. But um, yeah, I don't know if he pushes. I mean, I I actually I actually don't because I would want to see like a guy like Paris Jacki or or Kovacevic play in the lineup over Weidman. Right now that you've got this other guy in, I don't know what what he is for the plans, but he is a young right-handed shot defenseman, and Detroit's pretty good at drafting Swedes. So hopefully, it's a small sample size of what we've seen now. Maybe he just needs a change of scenery. But here's a vote of confidence. Right, Detroit right. drafts a lot of Swedes, <laughs> and they drafted him, so he must be good. Right. So I'm hoping for the best, but but like. I would say, like, if um, like I, I still did think Weidman was on his way out for them, but now it's kind of like yeah. it's he's kind of getting the shove out at the same time. I, I like he's done things for the team that he needs to do since coming over from the KHL. I'd like to see him move to another team, get that opportunity. Um, but again, if it's just a waivers thing, then Laval gets a veteran defenseman. It is what it is. I, I do think that if he is the one that they push out, which I honestly do believe he will be, uh, and he's put on waivers, someone's going to pick him up because a veteran right-handed buck moving defenseman like him who can play at the bottom of your pairings, I'm for league minimum, why not? Yeah. It's a one-year deal. Yeah, even for there. especially teams that play a seven, like a seven demon. Yeah, right. Gustafson, like he's, if he's, he's Gustafson can keep getting a job, Weidman can, yeah. can get another because they're right. they're pretty much the same right? player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but and and the reason I mentioned Baron having be the one to prove himself is the waiver exemption issue. Yeah, because he can be moved down there with no penalties, no chance of losing him. So he he'll he can move down, and then they can let this guy play. Um. And nobody, they get to keep all their assets. That's that's the reason behind why I believe Baron has to really push his way in. I think if you for all the waiver exempt defensemen, Gooley and Harris are the more secure of any of them. Yeah, um, yeah, I would think I, so. I mean, I like Jack. I don't get me wrong, but based on overall talent, let's be honest, Jack I is going to be a bottom six or. A third pairing defenseman for his career. Um, be a number four to a number six, somewhere in there. Somewhere around there. But uh, Barron does have an extra, he is better offensively. Um, he did really have a great second half when he came into Montreal. I think the thing with yeah. Barron is, is he going to have a good first half when he comes into Montreal? And, and that's his problem. Uh, and that's his problem. Um, so for me, I like to see see Kovacevic stay. I thought he was the most steady defenseman they had out there, the most consistent defenseman. Um, but I also think that he is the he was just a waivers claim. I don't think he's really in their future. Um, technically, if you don't count Savard and Matheson, he's the old guy um, <laughs> at twenty six. <laughs> I, I you know what I, I I don't know if he's I don't know what kind of um future that they have for him, but the fact that he was signed to an extension by Winnipeg and then they went out and they and then they they picked him up on waivers, right? Like they, they knew they were getting this guy for a few years. So maybe he is a little bit more of a plan than what we think. And again, he was a he was a serviceable defenseman last year. I guess you got to look at what the short, mid, and long-term plan is for for Hughes. Now, I I think his long-term plan is to have his core when they're ready to defend at around the 27, 28, 29 age, right? Uh, yeah. I think guys like Kovacevic are placeholders. Same with David Savard. Uh, I think Gustav Lindstrom's another placeholder until Reinbacher yep. and Mayu well, are ready. Well, he's to... only got one more year left on his deal. You still got right. Lane Hudson Where coming up as well, right? So you have Lane Hudson coming up. You have, uh, you know, 
you have all these defensemen now. If you ask me, Michael Matheson would be an excellent person to trade for great assets. He's the best defenseman yep. you have you on your team. When it comes time. And if he remains hot this year or even going into next year, I think you got to consider moving him. Because, like you said, at some point, Gooley, Harris, Jacki, Hudson, Reinbacher, Mayu, they're all going to start coming up and taking over. Right hand's going to be okay because Fire will be gone in a couple of years. Weidman's gone at the end of this year. Lindstrom, if they don't decide to re-sign him, will be Linds will be gone at the end of this year. So your right side, Mayu and Reinbacher, they have their spots. They're just waiting for them to be able to come into it. Uh, it's I can't remember. Is Hudson right or left? Left, left. So that's where you got to really think about who you're keeping and who you're moving. Um, yeah, I think Harris and Jack are the likely two to get moved if they're moving any of them, and only Harris because I think he has the best value. Uh, for who they want to move. I think Gooley and uh, uh, who am I thinking of here? Oh, no, I with Matheson gone, I guess if they get rid of Matheson, you can keep Harris. But, I mean, you have Gooley, Jacki, Harris, and Hudson. I mean, Jacki can be your seventh defenseman if need be. And then you just go, or, you know, you have the three righties. And uh, you also got to look, you also got to look in the next couple of years, like right now, the team's pretty much going to be the way that it is, barring a trade for the next two seasons. And then it's the going into the 25 26 season where everything really starts to change, where you're going to see Dvorak, Armia, um, Evans. So, you know, those kind of guys, those are those are the guys that are going to be off the books. Um, guys, and then um, Jake Allen as well, right? Like it's going to be kind of like go time. And going into that season anyway, um, that year, they're going to have an abundance of draft picks on 2025 with two firsts, two seconds, a third, two fourths, a fifth, sixth, and a seventh. So, And, and Carey Price is in his last season. In 25. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that also makes his LTI a little bit more appealing to other teams who may need the LTI space. Right. Um, so he looking at you, Vegas. A, he could be a Shea Weber type move yeah. that season because it's only for the one year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, 20, and this is why I said on an earlier show, I think 25, 26 is the year that they actually put the team together to start contending. Yeah. So, um, so, so what, in my opinion, it's like who knows who they're else they're going to bring in. But I, I do agree that Matheson's, um, value is going to be quite high yeah but at the same time they need serviceable point producing defensemen for now instead of just they can't just say reinbach you're in hudson you're in and well i think that's throw them to the wolves right i think that's why you see how harris baron and gooley come along in the nhl Uh, I mean, I don't, I'm not expecting Gooley to be this high point guy, but Harris could be Baron shows. He could be a good offensive defenseman. Um, and then you have Lane Hudson, who, if he plays anything like he does in the NCAA, well, you have your top him and Reinbacher on your top pair in 26, 27. Right. You know, this probably could be one of the best top pairs in the NHL could be, um, this is a projection. It's not a, uh, yeah prediction um and then of course you have Gooley and mayu on the second one yeah. and then they've still got they've still got holes to fill they're still a ways away from competing um and hughes even said that in his press conference so they got a long ways to go but like we're we're, we're strapped in we're kind of in for the ride now so but this petri trade then, i think opens the door for more moves with the it Smith. does yeah, to with Smith. Lin- yeah. With Lindstrom, even Lindstrom could be a trade ship later on down the road. He, he yeah. his last well, he's year. in a one-year deal. He's yeah. in his own, it, a one-year deal, nine fifty. Yeah. Um, he did mention, and the Smith I agree too. with. Yeah, he yeah, the Smith would fix cap problems, and they got so many goalies, and he might get more return now to kind of complete that whole trade. But back to the placeholder thing, I I completely agree with you guys that. The, these players, especially Lindstrom, 
that was just brought in is a placeholder. I mean, you, you talk about all these young defensemen, like you guys named a bunch of them. Uh, the right-hand side is going to be full. I mean, Reinbacher clearly is in there. Uh, Baron, it, more, uh, and if you go to uh, recruits.ca with uh, Grant McCagg, friend of the show, is on here quite often, and I, I write sometimes for recruits. He talked to Rob Ramage this week, and Logan Mayu was, he had his tires pumped hard. Ramage loves this kid. The Hunters love this kid. I understand the politics behind why people hate him. I totally get it. I kind of agree. Um, But at some point, they need to get a... People need a second chance. If he, if it's going to be in Montreal, that's fine. But these guys are looking at his hockey, that side of it only, and they love the game that he brings. His defensive game has improved. Ramage really sees this kid as a top four defenseman. So if you you've got Baron and Mayu, these the Canadians have such a deep pool. All these players can't make it. So they're at the point where. They'll develop these guys a little bit, but they're going to have to trade some of these guys away. And the ones that definitely get moved out are the placeholders, the current ones. Maybe the Canadians get something out of moving Lindstrom. I don't know, fifth round pick, something. Anything's better than nothing. It's the same with Kovacevic. You can get something for Kovacevic. You can get something for Lindstrom. Hell, you could even get something for David Savard. Uh, if someone's looking for a in his last year yeah absolutely yeah, in his last year uh so i think it's too early right now to sit here and go who's in who's out only because exactly. even with harris gooley jack eye struble hudson reinbacher mayu you really got to look at because one of i think one of those or two of those guys are going to be gone as well uh because yeah. like you said there's just no room once you get lane hudson in there Gooley's probably you can probably bet on him kind of staying with the team. Lane Hudson's going to stay with the team, uh, but who's going to be that third left-handed defenseman? Do you really want to bury a guy like Harris on the third parent? Um, you know what I mean. Jack Eye is probably a better fit for that role. Harris is not a he could turn out to be a, a highly skilled offensive defenseman. You don't really want to bury that guy, so you say, all right, we don't have room for you. So we're going to move you to a team that where you can play your top four minutes that you deserve. Um, you know, Sorry, Ron, but stop trading him. <laughs> but I mean, logically, I, I get it. I know. Yeah, I get it. I you know. It. I, 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 I know Laura wasn't happy with that because she loves Harris. But uh, <laughs> my view as it is, is, is I'm not trading him because I don't think he's going to be good for the team. I just think if Lane Hudson is what he's going to be, no one's taken that spot from him and you need a guy like Gooley. So um, that leaves Harris as that odd man. And the only reason being is I don't want a guy like a top four defenseman buried on my, and he won't want to play 12 minutes a game, right? Like it, it's just, so move him, get what you can get for him. And, and uh, uh, hope is he has a great career somewhere else. Uh, unless, he becomes the star defenseman, and maybe you say, "All right, well, maybe we don't need Gooley," and then you move him out. It's it's, it's the same scenario. Yeah, exactly. And, and and back to the trade itself. I know you were trying to do it earlier, and I I interrupted you, but back to the trade itself. Yes, the current trade to Detroit was underwhelming, but we have to look at it holistically. In the end, the Canadians. Eight two and a half million dollars. They end up with a second, a fourth, uh, a serviceable third pairing defenseman, all to get rid of Hoffman and Pitlick to make room for younger guys. I I will if, say if we oh go ahead fin, finish. Yeah, your, I was going to say if I was going to say if if the trade was Hoffman and Pitlick for all this with the with the cap retention. People would be cheering in the streets right now because they've wanted Hoffman gone for so long. But I will say this at the 2.3 you're paying the next two years for Jeff Petrie. If you bought out Mike Hoffman, you'd be paying less money over the next two years. A little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, 
what are the Canadians going to spend that 2.3 million on this year and next year? Oh, I'm I'm just saying, I'm I'm just bringing that point up yeah. saying he could have just bought out Huffman. I think it would have been 1.9 or something over the next two years or or something silly like that. I don't know what it would have been. So, so essentially for the cost, like 400,000 a year, he yeah. ended up, he ended up buying a second round pick. Correct. Yeah. So they're so going to get mean, two. I, they're going to get two and a half. Get with that. Yeah, they're going to get two and a half million of dead cap off the off anyway from Alsner and Edmondson as well, at the end of this year. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But if you're just you're if you're hyper focused on just the cap retention for Petrie, what do the Canadians really need to spend that two point three on this year or next? A goalie. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do need a goalie. <laughs> they do, but at the same time. But for actual like signing players and everything, other than Baron, who's not going to who's not going to who's not going to cost you a lot, Jack guy who's likely not going to cost you a lot. That's per, that's really pretty much it. Other than that, it's a, it's a lot of uh, it's just a lot of minor league players. I mean, like I say, the only thing you're going to need in twenty four twenty five is a goalie because both the Smith and Mondebo come off the books. Uh, like you say, Jack Guy's an RFA, Barron's an RFA, Yolonen's an RFA, and I guess you give him this year to see if he's worth re-signing, and, and uh, Lindstrom's an RFA. Again, you could let them two walk away if they're really not going to fit in. Um, other than that, that's it. The, team, the team's the team yeah. pretty much for next year. Yeah, bar, bar, and you're not bar, looking barring at... any moves, right? Yeah, you're and not looking you look... at the lineup saying, oh my God, this young guy's going to make bank like right now it's basically a bunch of guys who are more than likely going to get cheap bridge deals right the the guys who are making bank already got their bank and that's suzuki and Caulfield. right uh everybody every other rfa unless baron puts up 40 points this year he's not making bank on his rfa right unless jack i wins the bill masterson or something i don't know like what the Lady Bing for most gentlemanly hockey player, he's not uh, <laughs> not getting a big uh, pay in. The only way he gets the Lady Bing is if they change the uh, the meaning of Bing to the Bing, the Bing, the Bing, from punching people in the face. You get you get a look at it too. Is they have fourteen point five million dollars next year? Yeah, exactly. So, and I mean, like I said, I just said the Huffman thing. I read it on Twitter. It's it, it's just a devil's yeah. advocate. You know, so they're doing no, all these moves. You could have just done this, but you don't get the second, you don't get the fourth, you don't get Laguerre for the AHL, you don't get, uh, yeah. you know what I mean? You, you don't get rid of Pitlick. That's going to have to be a separate move uh, for a guy who wanted out because he knew he wasn't going to play. Um, you know, and you have $14.5 million next year. Who cares? That's not including Carey Price's LTI if you need to use it. Not to mention this money that there's that they spent on this cap retention. As much as it as it sucks to do it, at the same time, that was the cost of making sure that they got rid of Hoffman, got rid of Pitt, like, and opened up room for the young players to move up. Everyone's bitching and moaning. They want to see Yalonen. They want to see Harvey Pinard. There was no space for them to move up by doing this long drawn out. Um, multi-stage trade system. Now there's room for these two guys and possibly someone else to come in and compete with them to move up and, and get some NHL time. You're letting, you're letting your young guys take spots by getting rid of players like Pitlick wanted out because he wanted a better chance at making an NHL career. He wasn't going to get it in Montreal. And I totally get that. Good for him. He's going to have uh He's going to have a good opportunity down in Pittsburgh. Uh, Hoffman being gone. Uh, yes, please. Cause he, he was eating up power play time. That was better served going to Cole Caulfield. And on the second pairing of the power play, uh, I don't know who they're going to put in his, his stead, but I don't know anybody, anybody. Yolonen would be an excellent choice because of his one-timer. Well, moving Huffman, you guarantee either RHP or loan in a spot on the team. Now, exactly. you still have to make another move if you want to put another forward uh, on that team. Uh, but you have three goalies that aren't going to stay with the team. Uh, you get, you, they're not. So there, there's your extra spot right there. 
Uh, once that goalie's gone, we know Chris Wyman's probably going to get buried. There's probably a defenseman that's going to be on the move or someone like Barron or Jack guy goes to Laval to start the season. Um, it's just the way it is. Uh, Hughes is confident. He's not going to have carry price is going to be on the actual roster and they're not going to use his LTI. Um, so I guess technically they're going to have four goalies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, and I think that's a smart move because then he can take his LTI and, you know, use it, especially if they have the injuries they had the last two years, uh, bringing guys up and putting them down, that LTI is going to eat up that cap and they're not going to pay any type of a penalty or anything like that, or they don't have to yeah. play with a 21 man roster just to fit everybody in. And I, I don't no, know and that's the thing that. they could, no, he turned off his video. That's all. Yeah. He's still here. Um, yeah, I mean, they could have a 30-man roster and still be under the cap, especially with the LTIR that they're going to have this year. Um, but essentially, to kind of tie up the Petrie thing in a bow, to me, it's all about providing opportunity for the young players. They're in the middle, they're in the middle of the rebuild, and they're at the stage where they need to allow the young guys to graduate to the levels that they're capable of graduating to, to see what they have. Uh, you're going to have a shitload of new guys showing up in Laval, but there's some who are graduating from Laval. Like we mentioned, Yelonen, RHP, maybe a Heine, uh, maybe Heinemann steps up and competes for a job. Like there's, Arwa, there, there's a bunch of these young guys who could possibly muscle in all because now there's that opening. That wouldn't have happened if this trade hadn't happened. Or someone like Owen Beck who has the OHL or the NHL. Uh, one or the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to be, and I like that. I like that move, but I will say this, and this is just caught me. No, if you want to room for the young guys and you wanted room for all this stuff, why would he just say, instead of Lindstrom, give us a second and a fourth for Petrie. Call it a day. Uh, I think it's more roster positions cap. I don't know. But, but you Detroit understand what I'm saying? A full roster. I yeah. get it. I get and it. And then they, and then they, 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 they're like, okay, we're, we're, we can bring everybody up now. We're good. But I, I get it. Did you, I didn't look at Detroit's side of what they have or anything like that. But uh, at the same time, you, you talked about it right off the top. They did this trade as a solid for Jeff yeah. Petrie. So yeah, you're not going to get yeah. the best of value. And if, if the only good thing you can say in a press conference after making the trade was, well, he's Swedish, and they draft a lot of Swedes. And he was. Eh. He, we think he's played seventy percent to his potential. That's what. That's what. Uh, yeah. My yeah. my pro scouts really like him, and he. We think he's at about seventy percent to his potential. In other that, words, you're gonna a... give him a give a good old kick at the tires, and if it doesn't work out, it's gonna be like, meh. See you later. Same thing they did with uh, Gorianov there last year when they picked him up for dead. And that's the thing. One-year deal, 950. You're not hurting anything to give him that try, give him that spot. Again, placeholder. Um, all right. So while uh, while Matt is still dealing with whatever it is he's doing, I'm, I'm not sure he didn't send us a message or nothing. Um, we'll just move on to the final piece, and that's the cap. Because we've been alluding to it a little bit. Uh, so far with the cap retention. Oh, there he is. Hey. Welcome back. Sorry, we're, uh, we're just about switching over work. to the cap here. Okay. Phone call from work. Those okay. are not allowed. <laughs> Sorry. This I don't answer. Job. I don't answer. 721. <laughs> 427. <laughs> I don't know this number. <laughs> Blaine's doing a recall. Some... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't do those. I got P1s for that. I'm a P1. I just, I just text the boys. <laughs> I know. Greg did a recall. Never got, never got a, Blaine never told me anything. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, Matt, uh, just before you came back, we, we switched over to the salary cap. Like, it's the last little bit of the show. We're not going to go into super depth here because there, it's a very complicated issue. Uh, Treg, you talked about it a little bit online today. Uh, yeah. And, so, and you mentioned someone who we should follow. Yeah. Uh, Montreal fan Sackick, I believe is his name. 
Did I get that yep. right, Blaine? Yeah. That, uh, I think that's anyway. his handle, yeah. Yeah, I think that's his handle. Um, MTL fan. Yeah, I actually used to argue with this guy until I realized he knows a lot more way than I do. Uh, a lot <laughs> knows way more than I do. Um, but he. That's my praise. Well, I know because I'm full of myself. But uh, this guy here, if you want to know anything about the cap, anything at all, this guy is like an encyc- cap encyclopedia. Um, I know someone asked me today about the LTI, what difference it makes. And my response was, well, if they use it in the off season, they lose that money. So either you use it all or use none of it is pretty much what, you know what I mean? GMs want to do in the off season. So either he, he wants to push right up to that 10 and a half million to ensure that he gets it all uh, and to do the team, or you don't want to use any of it. And uh, the issue they had last year is because they only use part of it because they went, they had to go in the off season and then they struggled to bring players up because they had no room to, to no money room to put it in. Uh, but then he went into this great big detail on it and, you know, it, and he, he explains it like you're a five-year-old. So he, it, you know, it's not difficult to understand. I mean, I still don't fully get it, but I'm, I'm about as educated as a five-year-old. So um, yeah. So that's who you should follow. You want to know about the cap? Follow him. And I looked at I looked at one of the uh, the photos. He did a screenshot of mm. his own Excel spreadsheet that he does, which Bravo. Yeah, uh, putting the time in to do that, Bravo. Um, and he he mentioned like it's a one point something million. Really is over the cap, but you go right. to cap friendly. It says almost four million, about three point seven, and the reason for the difference between the two numbers, I didn't go into too much in depth on what he was doing and what it looked like, but it was the um, the cap overages from the the previous season kind of make up the difference. So bonus money that couldn't have been paid out because of being over the cap or whatever, they're really only about what one point seven nine or two million somewhere in there. 1.252. I'm looking at a spreadsheet right now. It's 1.252916 to be. So, yeah. Uh, and then you, you, I don't you know. Take I don't, out the you probably can't over- see that because of the light, but yeah. Yeah. You can't see it because of the light. But anyway, follow him. He has a, he has a great uh, uh, thing. So, I mean, if you really think about it, you put down Weidman. Weidman, Weidman and Baron. Weidman and Baron, they're your cap compliant. <laughs> And you don't have to even if it's just on paper, even just on paper, if you move everybody who has a waiver exemption down on paper for that one day so that you can put price onto LTIR, you'll maximize the the full value of his uh, his contract as an not not everyone because you have to have 20 players minimum, so it has to be all but one. There you go. But I, I only said I'm, that. I only said that because I kind of got in a little Twitter thing with this other guy. Just send everyone out. I can't do that. Yeah. I think the likely <laughs> scenario, though, is likely it's going to be DeSmith moving out. Um, he yes. did bring he did bring it up on his yeah. press conference, and he said that he he said that um, you know goaltenders take a little bit more time. And I, I said this when the uh, when the trade happened originally. There's quite a few teams out there right now that could use a serviceable backup into Smith, a guy that can. Yeah, especially at one point eight million expiring contract it's going to give you 30 35 games there's there's teams out there that could use them i don't know what the value is going to be coming back not high right but doesn't matter but no they, it doesn't but, but it really they, doesn't right but they move them on they get something back for it i'm I, i'm exactly. all for it and he also said that he doesn't foresee him he's not bearing him in the hl so when i heard that no. when i heard that i'm like he's he's either staying or he's getting traded and well, I think he, it's more than likely it's going to be a trade. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was Angles or one of those guys did say he's will any one of the goalies he's willing to move for the right price. Right. So he's, yeah, he's I think not, it was Eric. Uh, he's not really set on one. I think the Smith will be the easiest to move and yeah. they would rather move him over Montembeau. Yeah. Allen will be the hardest just because he's 3.8 million for the next two years. I think he wants to get it done before, like before people start showing up to camp and everything. I really do. Like, I, I don't, I don't think he wants this to be a, uh, um, you know, a during camp decision. 
I think my thing is though, if you tr say you trade to Smith, and then Primo gets put on waivers and gets claimed, you're kind of your depth in goaltending is pretty much gone. I mean, you got Jacob Dobbs who's going to play in the in Laval next year, but yep. uh, that's it. Yeah, All then they got that other that man. I guess yeah, uh, Ver the... Verbetica maybe. No, they they brought in, in they brought in another guy in an AHL deal. I don't remember his name though. Uh, I know they had Verbetic on his ECHL deal or AHL deal when he was playing in Trois Rivières. I don't think they brought uh, what does the former Islander goalie back? Um, no, they didn't. No. They brought in. Who they brought in. No. They brought in another goalie. I just, I'll look him up really quick. I don't remember yeah. his name. Um, but he's on an AHL deal, so I'm yes. saying if we have injuries to Montembeau yes, yes. and say Allen, Dobe's your guy. <laughs> right <laughs> you know uh at least Caden primo has a little bit of nhl experience and if he's not too shell shocked he might be all right but yeah yeah they don't have anyone else so. no and, and but what are the odds a third year in a row they get completely decimated again <laughs> i think new, they're pretty they, hot they new medical people now <laughs> yeah. no they have new trainers yeah yeah that the 80 year old doctor is still there Rub a little Robitussin on it. He'll be all right. <laughs> Rub some dirt into that. Here's some ibuprofen. Here's some ibuprofen. You're okay. Take the night off. He's an old Navy. Well, uh, at he's least an old Navy doctor. <laughs> yeah. Here's some sepical. Yeah, I just broke my arm. Here's some ibuprofen. We'll we'll put a little bandage on that. You'll be good. You can go back to work tomorrow. <laughs> my my hand's not attached. <laughs> <laughs> Mulder does uh, Dr. Mulder does look like one of those civvy doctors that comes to Halifax. <laughs> yeah. you, you know that old guy that up on the uh, the fourth floor? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what he does. Yeah. Did did you try ibuprofen? Yeah. I hurt my knee. Why are you looking at my elbow? <laughs> it's all connected. Side. It's all connected. <laughs> Head bones connected to the neck bone, man. And no, it, I it, I do, I do see a, a one more trade happening before the training camp starts, and it's a goalie. It will have an impact on the cap clearly, um, and, and they will be under the cap by training camp and moving price to LTIR. They'll have the ten point five to be able to play with, which gives them a lot of room to take on a shit contract uh, at trade deadline and maybe get something back. So. It's, it's chess pieces being moved around the board. And like like we say, any, any moves they make now are placeholders for the next couple of years yep. until all these young guys are polished and ready to go. And then they'll start plugging in veterans here or there just to, uh, to guide these young guys. And that sounds like how you do a rebuild. I don't know if anyone else realized that, but, uh, and guess what guys, it didn't take five to 10 years. Like everyone said it was going to take because the new salary cap NHL, you can shorten your rebuild. Fairly easy. It's true. And for anyone thinking that, uh, you know, what are they going to do? How are they going to take things on cap wise? I don't see them making any massive moves to eat up a lot of cap uh, between now and the end of not this coming season, but the following season when Petrie's money's off the board. Um, there might be some one major move done, but he's not going to go playing with his cap structure until that point. And I think that's the cutoff point when he, th he sees the team being uh, ready to compete. I think you can see this here, maybe at the trade deadline, him taking a larger contract or, Christmas time taking a larger contract for a high draft pick, um, especially short term, though, for one year, like in the uh, uh, and you know, some defenseman who's making 6.2 million who's only not doing what he used to be able to do, they can say, you know what, you throw in your first round draft pick, we'll take that guy, and then uh, you know, yep, send on a robot island or something. Well, we have Robita on the staff, so um, we'll be able to guide you to the island. He has the map. 
All right. So that's pretty much it for the show. Uh, going to give some final thoughts. So uh, Matt, final thoughts from you. Nothing hockey related. Um, just got back from Montreal. Saw Metallica, Five Finger Death Punch, Pantera, a couple other bands. Fantastic time. Um, and I'll give a shout out to 49th Parallel Cafe on McGill, on, uh, on McGill Street. If you live in Montreal, go check it out. They've got great donuts. Okay. Yeah. Treg, I, I know you're well, salivating from hearing the word donuts, but uh, you can't have them. <laughs> why did the girl keep buying so many books? For fuck's sakes. Because she had no shelf control. Where do sharks go on vacation? Finland. <laughs> okay, you did that one. So now I'm going to do one. And I don't have the calendar. These are just coming up. So uh, what do you call two men sitting on a windowsill together? What? Curtain rod. Ugh. Terrible joke. Terrible joke. I'm in pain from having heard that. <laughs> Putting in a veterans affairs claim. Yeah. Because of that joke. <laughs> Wasn't work related. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm paid 24-7, so everything's work related. Yeah. Uh actually I another make thing. Like uh, 75 an hour. I did an AMA today while I was at the gym and uh, uh, my uh, friend of mine, Britt, she asked what my uh, calories in that were like. So if you want to know what I eat in the run of a day, how many calories in that, because some people have asked me, uh, it's written right there. So now you, so now you know, it's, it's not a lot. Yeah. So, what do you, what are your final thoughts, Blaine? Yeah. Well, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. Um, you can find us anywhere podcasts are listened to uh, on the socials at Habs Unfiltered. You can find us everywhere. Um, sometimes we're active, sometimes we're not, but we we do our best to manage these accounts, considering the fact that we all have full time day jobs that take up a lot of time. But if you guys, if you guys out there, send us a message, an email. We're going to get back to you. And we like these comments and the interactions that we have with everybody because it provides us not only content for the show, but we're, the community that's built around this has been amazing. Yeah, we, I, I just enjoy talking to everybody out there. Uh, some people will get to meet in person. Uh, I talked to Yen over the last couple of days. He's going to be in Halifax. We're going to meet up. It, it This isn't just, you know, hey, we know each other online. We're willing to meet our our, our friends that we, we've made online. We're, we're not, we're clearly going to vet you because you have to meet a certain requirement to be able to meet Treg. His standard is fairly high. I'm an, I'm an introvert. I don't go out very often. <laughs> but, and that's the thing, like we're just... All I'm trying to say is this community that's been the Habs Twitter community uh, threads now just really enjoy it. So uh, thank you to everybody who's been listening to us for all these years and help us make this show <laughs> there. There's Suze and help us make this show one of the top Habs related shows in the world. It's Matt's good looks. Because of Matt's good looks. But anyway, I want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. 
Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.